Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, the fall will be here before you know it, and the temperatures will start to drop and get a little bit cooler. So swing on by Leon Tailoring to get you something warm that will not burn a hole in your pocket. Maybe it's a nice little bit of a heavier jacket, or maybe a heavier blouse or skirt, or no matter what it is, maybe a nice sweater. No matter what it is, you can get it Leon Tailoring. Get it ready-made or custom-made or tailor-made. Just go on in, tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you, and they'll be happy to do it as well. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Our guests on the program today are Aaron Albert. She's a VP with Mark Cuban Cost Post Drugs. Uh, Chris Spangle, who runs the podcast in the We Are Libertarians Network. And Jeremiah Morrell, who runs the Boss Hog of Liberty podcast. So we're kind of talking about social media uh, in the context of the midterm elections and some other things as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the government wanting to regulate social media content. I want to say there are, there are a couple cases out there uh, where one, one appellate court said, Yes, the government can regulate social media content. Another one said, no, they can't. So obviously this is going to end up in the, in the Supreme Court. Now, here's my thing, and, and Aaron, we'll just start with you and work our way down this because, Aaron, you're also an attorney. My thing is that a social media company is a private business, period. They can post whatever they want. They can delete whatever they want. You have no right to participate. Help me, help me out here, or am I just crazy? I probably am, but help me out anyway. You're actually dead on, I think. I, I'm high-fiving you virtually right now because, number one, it's a contractual relationship. To your point, you're going on their platform. It's their terms and agreements that you're agreeing to. It's not something that necessarily, per se, could even be government-regulated, which leads me to my second point. How in the world is the government going to regulate social media? I think that's next to impossible. I think each and every platform has really struggled with that over time. And I can't foresee, particularly the federal government, ever managing or overseeing social media. I just don't even think that's in the realm of possibility. Uh, Chris, let me get your thoughts. Because part of the logic and rationale for the, for the social media regulations where they were the, the, the plaintiffs were arguing that conservative voices weren't being heard, uh, weren't, weren't, getting, weren't getting a fair share like, like liberal voices, whether it was uh, the, like Senator Ron Johnson and, and the pandemic accusing uh, YouTube of, 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 of not posting or, or getting rid of content that was critical of the way the government handled the pandemic. What, what, do, you, what do you think about all this? Should, does the government have a role in regulating social media or not? Well, heck no. Um, they don't, but they're going to anyways because there's money to be made and, and fundraising on it. You've got something like the American Innovation and Choice Online Act that is meant to protect consumers, quote-unquote, online, but it's really just masquerading as a big um, regulation, regulatory bill for these social media companies and Amazon, and it's meant to kind of break up their monopolies. And it's supported by you know a lot a lot of democrats and some republicans especially the very trump friendly you know holly and ted cruz groups and they all see it as a way to really ingratiate themselves to their base so they can run for higher office uh, or to fundraise for their campaign because the incentive structure for a candidate is they have to raise millions of dollars every cycle to to stay on board in congress so do they have a right uh, to regulate, not in my mind at all. I think these are private companies that can choose, and and really what the dirty little secret is, Abdul, a lot of these companies actually want the regulation. They actually want to be involved in the crafting of regulation because what ends up happening is it cements their position as the top players in their space, and it cuts out the little guys. And I can't think of any 
any product in my lifetime like Facebook where I went from a super fan to somebody like I cannot I cannot wait for Facebook to go away. Like it it, it really doesn't help me uh, in my life. It doesn't help me in my businesses anymore. And I don't want to pay you for likes. Like there's no organic growth and people are fleeing it left and right. Like you can't find somebody under the age of 25 that's on Facebook in an active way. The market in this situation will work itself out because the innovation is just so quick. It's people will move on and use different products. And the thing that is different. So when I was a young millennial working for you, Abdul, I put everything out there online and people who are under Gen Z does not do that. They're very careful about their data and they learn. And that's just sort of how the market works. You have all these signals that say, all right, I'm going to change this, going to do that. So no, they, they shouldn't because if anybody looks at this Congress and says, these are the people that can fix very complex issues I want them in charge. I mean, I'd really like to meet that person because I don't know how many people there are in this country that believe that they'll do a good job. Jeremiah, what do you think? You think it's a great idea until the other team's in charge. Yeah, so often, you know, team left, team right, whatever team you want to be on says, hey, our guys can fix this and we're, we're going to, we're really going to get it this time and we're going to get it right. But they forget that elections have, have tides. And four years, six years, eight years down the road, the other guys running it. Um, <clears throat> Chris and I, our, our team never never is in charge, so we're always getting hosed on it. But the uh, <laughs> the um, I th- there should never be a, a, a government regulation of, of social media. It's it's a it's not going to work. Aaron, you're about to chime in there. Yeah, I think Chris brought up a really interesting point. I come at it from the lens of healthcare, and healthcare is probably one of the most highly regulated by the federal and state, and even in local governments in some instances. And so he made a very interesting point that if you start regulating things like social media, it's going to shut out the little guy. And I totally agree with that. You know, if we want to have other social media platforms, Overregulation is not going to solve the problem. It's going to only solidify, as Chris mentioned, the bigger platforms, and they'll be here to stay. Aaron Albert, Chris Spangle, Jeremiah Morrell, Jeremiah Balsaga, Liberty, Chris Spangle, We Are Libertarians, Dr. Aaron Albert, VP of Mark Cuban, uh, Cost Post Drugs, uh, my social media panel talking about uh, social media-related issues today. Uh, Chris, whatever happened to the, to the thought that, hey, if I don't like Facebook, if I don't like Twitter, if I don't like Google for that matter, I can go ahead and just start my own, start my own social media platform you know, like Getter or whatever the one that Donald Trump is using these days? Truth Social? Yeah. Well... I don't know. There's, you know, back when I worked for you, I said a certain phrase that I did not know was a bad word um, because I worked as your producer in the wake of Janet Jackson and the FCC regulation. I worked with Bob and Tom as their digital director now. And, you know, it's a very different environment than it was 15 years ago in radio because you used to have a lot of conservatives and conservative church groups that would write in. Well, now you still have those conservative church groups that will be offended. You've also got a lot of people on the left who are very, um, I don't know, sensitive. Uh, I want to be sensitive to them. Uh, but it, everybody sort of feels in a box. And there's this middle of the pack that just is sort of rational that doesn't have a voice. I think some politician will come along. You know, maybe Mitch Daniels will save us all and run for president. Um, and, but th- 
there's there's not enough people kind of sticking up for the the middle right and saying okay we want to build a society of a, a liberal society right where everybody has a voice and we embrace these pluralistic values so, so how did they cement their position i mean everybody sort of ran to it but it really comes down to self-control and personal responsibility. If you don't think it's good for the country, quit. Um, and tell your friends to quit and stop using it. But there, there is somewhat of an addictive quality to this stuff that I think sort of caught us off guard and everybody's woken up to it over the last two years. Jonathan Haidt was the researcher in The Atlantic that I was talking about earlier. And he's really done a lot of research on, on sort of the dopamine effects of some of this stuff and the effect it has on our society. But yeah, I, I just think it's time for the middle, the reasonable people in the country to just stand up and say, you know what, everybody should have a voice. All right, maybe not all of these people should have a voice, but by and large, the best way to drown out bad speech is by pointing it out and giving it some sunshine and not driving it underground. Because like Getter, Truth Social, all these different places are toxic waste dumps because they weren't in... You used to have moderation. If you shared something from InfoWars... You'd have your friends and family go, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And there was that element of social policing and social shame that was the moderation button. And then we got rid of that and drove people to silos. And things are not better by limiting speech and removing the social stigma of being a bigot or saying things that are out of the norm. Um, You get rewarded for that in places like Getter or wherever right and that's a huge problem and so i think the thesis that pushing people off of these platforms is a bad idea has just been proven false because it's taken over an entire political party <laughs> so the, at some point we have to wake up and look at the proof of our actions and go maybe we didn't do the right thing and maybe we should tolerate the fact that other people are are terrible and it's our job to check them and get in their face about it our guests on the program today are Aaron Albert, VP of Mark Cuban uh, Cost Post Drugs, Chris Spangle, We're Libertarians, and Jeremiah Morrell, uh, Boss Hog of Liberty. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, you sent me a couple pictures uh, via Facebook, idly enough using social media. Uh, when we talk about sort of the good, the bad, and the social media just – or social media just a tool, it's like a hurricane or, or a forest fire. It just depends on whether whether your house or the business end of it. Uh, how do you think social media fits, good, bad, or just a tool? See, I – you can do some good with social media if, it, if it's targeted and you get that community together. And locally, we had a, uh, a billboard that apparently was up for about two months before anybody noticed it, because that's the kind of attention to detail we have around town. But there was a billboard that went up that had a fire and brimstone message that wasn't very welcoming at all, uh, telling, accusing folks of being fornicators and adulterers and whatever else. Uh, and a group of folks got together, uh, led by a city councilman, Aaron Dickin, not in an official capacity, but Aaron uh, said, hey, I don't like this very much. And uh, he said he was going to self-fund a billboard to replace it. Uh, but he put his Venmo out there, and uh, over three days, 74 other donors kicked in, and they had about 2400 bucks. And they changed out that billboard for uh, for a six-month run, and there's now a sign uh, right there as you – uh, right at 3 and 38, that says, Welcome to all, crown founded with love, uh, friendly Newcastle, Indiana. So you can you can certainly use the power of social media to, to change things as well. Uh, Chris, let me get your thoughts. Uh, social media, good, bad, or just or just a, just a force of nature? 
Uh, I mean, it's like everything else. It's how you use it. You know, you know the rules that you were taught in kindergarten. Like, you know how to behave. Um, but some people just don't want to, and some people can't. And that's why you have moderation. So I think for each and all of us, it's just in how you use it and choosing good behavior. Aaron? It's a tool. I've said that all along on your show, Abdul. I think it can be used for good or evil. It just depends on, you know, what your motives are. Um, I'd like to think that we're using it for good and spreading good vibes. <laughs> Not bad, but it's a, it's a tool. So, uh, my friends, as we get ready to wrap up our conversation, come down our last uh, five, six minutes and some change, uh, how can we be smarter social media consumers, whether we're talking about, you know, political issues or, or local issues, or just how can we be smarter uh, using our social media? Uh, Jeremiah, we'll start with you and just work our way down the aisle. Yeah, the biggest thing is to take control for yourself. Be, you know, get away from toxic groups and toxic people. As, it, as, as things have evolved in my social media experience, it's gone from, hey, yeah, let's have some commentary on a football game to, hey, this is how I'm going to build a community and, and run for office and build a great friend circle. And then right there in 2016, 2017, it's, it's taken this cycle down uh, to the point now where I'm back to, you know, my, I have siloed what I use different apps for. You know, Twitter for me is entirely about motorsports and, and Indianapolis Colts football. That's all the people I follow. That's basically what I do. So um, it, Facebook has become, yeah, a little bit of self-promotion because that's what, that's what a podcast host has to do. But it's also mostly just a travel vlog. It's me hanging out with my friends and, and you know, that's that's what that's how I choose to use social media at this point. Um, and God, I wish I understood how TikTok worked, but I, I'm old and I don't <laughs> want to edit video, so I just don't do that one. Uh, Chris, how can we be smarter social media consumers? First, you need to be understanding of how the platform works. We are libertarians. We I, I noticed something in 2020 that if we shared something that was a piece of content that we worked a long time on. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't really go very far. But if you shared something that made people angry, you get a million views on it. Uh, these platforms, specifically Facebook, which is the worst, incentivize content that gets an emotional reaction, especially anger. So if you find yourself being angry all the time, then you need to turn it off. And the thing I've learned doing Leaders and Legends, talking to all of these leaders in Indianapolis and Indiana, is that they don't spend a lot of time on social media. So successful people tend to not think of, about Twitter. Um, so read a book and then go to some networking events. Dr. Albert? Read a book and then post about it if you really feel the need to post uh, on Twitter or Facebook. I, I personally use the Facebook filter. So when I go over to Facebook, I'm posting something and I'm bouncing. I'm not staying there on Twitter. I'm there for, you know, reporters, of course, our company cost plus drugs. We get a lot of feedback over there. My passion is LinkedIn. I think it's probably the most professional of all platforms and, you know, public health announcement, please don't do the NyQuil chicken challenge over at TikTok. <laughs> nice. The Tide Pods are delicious. Our guests are Aaron Albert, Chris Spangle, Jeremiah Morrell. Uh, final question for you folks. Uh, feel free to take about a minute or so to answer. Uh, as we get uh, into the, the, the remaining days of this campaign, we've got about a month or so left uh, to go. What should people 
beware of? What should folks pay attention to? And if you're a candidate, should you really pay attention to what people are saying on, on social media? Because I always argue with people, social media doesn't vote. Uh, Dr. Albert, we'll start with you. I think people really need to focus on the issues that are important to them and then reverse engineer which candidates that they can vote for that are aligned with their priorities individually. If it's health care, if it's the economy, if it's women's health issues, whatever the case may be, follow the rabbit hole. In my opinion, this is what I am going to do. Follow down the rabbit hole of the topics that you care most about that are most important to you and align and vote for those candidates that support and are aligned with what it is that's important to you individually. Chris? Realize that everything in a free society is some form of propaganda. It could be good or bad propaganda, but you've got to evaluate that information. There's a great book, Peter Pomerant says, but this is not propaganda that I've been reading about um, Russian troll farms and, you know, the Philippines and other places where online propaganda has overwhelmed societies. I think it's a great book. And then I think, secondly, get in touch with your personal values and vote for candidates that share your personal values and don't vote against the other guys because of your perceived notion that they don't share your values. Because that's how you get bad people into office is you keep voting for against the other guy instead of for people that you actually like. Mr. Morell, I'll give you the last word. If somebody doesn't earn your vote, leave the spot blank. You don't have to fill out every spot on the ballot. I only vote for candidates that have earned my vote. And generally, that's the folks that are optimistic and can see the upside in something. Somebody that's positive, somebody that can see the future and can see 10, 15 years down the road or at least paints a picture as to what they want things to be. Um, they still have to be practical. But, uh, man, I want to hear from candidates, whether it's in person, in my mailbox, or in social media that are going to be uplifting and tell me how things uh, – how, how they see the world looking better in 10 to 15 years. All right. Well, our guests on the program today have been Aaron Albert, the VP of Mark Humans Cause Post Drugs, Chris Spangle, We Are Libertarians, the podcast, and Jeremiah Morrell, uh, Boss Hog Liberty podcast. So, Aaron, Chris, Jeremiah, thank you all very, very much for being with us. Uh, nothing but the best of luck in the future. And looking forward to having our social media panel back here at the end of the year so we can talk about why people say we want positive we want positive messages, but we, we, but we gravitate towards negativity on social media. But we'll save that one for another time. Hey, guys, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Abdul. Thank you. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.